Hello and welcome to Baby Talk. This is our show for Saturday, August 7th. PTF here in the Flophouse, joined by the usual Baby Talk co-host from Gainesway, though he's now in Saratoga Springs, as is so much of uh, the breeding industry and the, the horse racing industry who've made their way up north to Saratoga. Speaking, of course, about Sean Tugel. Sean, how are things? Doing great, Pete. Uh, what a feeling to drive back into Saratoga and, and uh, made it over to the races for a little bit yesterday to see all the uh, the late stakes and uh, ran into our man Pipes and, and all the places <laughs> we haven't seen in, in over a year. And uh, it's just, um, it, it felt great to be back to Saratoga. The energy's great. And, uh, you know, we're talking about baby races today, but but pretty exciting uh, card overall at Saratoga. And, and I tell you what, uh, the Whitney days uh, is, is a special day, so I'm pretty pumped up and, and hope to get it rolling with, with some nice baby winners. Let's do it. We got two at Saratoga, two from Del Mar. Those looking for more Saratoga content, it's coming. It might be up already by the time you listen to this. I'm doing a live show with Duke Matisse over at the track at 9.15, talking about the pick six. And then Naomi Tucker and I will be at the Brentwood from 10.30. If you're in town, come by. If not, check out the pods. Let's start, and we start early. The first race at Saratoga, 12.35 is the post time for this two-year-old maiden special weight going a mile and a 16th on the inner turf. Sean, what did you come up with in here? Well, for the people that weren't out too late at Caroline Street, they can get up and uh, play the first race. It is an early post. Um, look, I mean, Suge McGahee, we talk about how he can pop with first-time starters, two-year-olds. He's, he's very capable. We saw that last week. Uh, with a first-time starter, and, and I like the two here. Dripping Gold, it's a lemon drop kid out of a very good mare, Aurelia, $300,000 two-year-old, West Point Stables here, and you get Jose Lascano, who's one of the best turf riders uh, in in the colony here. So I landed on the two-horse. Certainly um, Brian Lynch with the three is a horse that I think has has some uh, ability to, uh, to, to either win or be used underneath. And the uh, horse making his second lifetime start there, the Constitution, uh, Boston flagship, the five horse with Manny Franco up, already has a mile of 16th race at Saratoga under its belt, uh, was third in, in that first start. So uh, I think certainly that would be uh, top three horses. And I also uh, would probably use the six pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you uh, pr- say that name for me. It's appropriate because number six, uh, I'm going to say Pequa is it could be something else, but we're going to go with Pequa. That's what I said on my videos. This is actually my top pick in the race, Sean. And and I think it's interesting. They've been trying to get this one a race for a while, and they've been unfortunate in getting races rained off the grass. But looking at this, looking at the, the pedigree here, you've got Spitestown, needs no introduction, terrific precocity. You've got Graham Motion. You don't immediately think of him as a first-year guy, but – he tends to bring him ready to Saratoga. We've seen him have impressive two-year-old winners up here before. And this female family, if you dig a little bit in the second family, you had some graded stakes turf form. So I felt that at 10 to 1, Pequot could be a, a pretty interesting place to go. Are you buying my case on that? Oh, 100%. And you get Johnny V, you get Grand Motion. And, you know, Spitestown out of a pivotal mare screams turf. So the breeding's all right there. The work pattern looks pretty solid. Um, I, I can't argue with you. I mean, I, I, you know, if the five shows up and runs to the same race or maybe even a little bit better, better, I think it's gonna be tough to beat that horse. But, the, but the three other horses that we discussed that are first time starters are, are very live in my opinion. 
Let's look back for just one second because you mentioned about Shug McGahee and the runner he had last weekend, whose name is Limited Liability. That was that that kitten's joy out of a blame mare. I was super impressed by his run, not least because in the paddock. Now, I'll be perfectly honest, Sean, and maybe this just reveals me for the amateur I am when it comes to looking at horses, but I've had this problem in the past with gray horses where I wasn't like fully able to recognize their fitness for some reason. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but it is what it is. I don't know if you've ever heard a a person with real knowledge in this area make a similar comment about grays, but I thought limited liability looked noticeably unfit. It, to the degree of one that will almost certainly come on for the run. If that's the case, maybe one to take a close look at in the with anticipation. Do you know what I'm talking about regarding the gray horses, or am I just letting my amateur well, show? I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily anything specific to the grays, but I do understand what you're trying to say is, you know, some of those babies, especially for the grandma, uh, I mean, the, the Shigma Gahees and, and some of the trainers that like to race them into condition, they'll bring them over there with a little extra weight on them. And uh, and and use the race as as something to tighten up. Obviously, the horse that won uh, was extremely talented. Was one of the most impressive two year old turf winners that we've seen probably in the last couple of seasons. To be honest with you, uh, from memory. And uh, the the breeding says that that horse is only going to get better uh, as as it matures. So I'm, that was a very exciting two year old winner last week. Limited liability, maybe one to throw in your stable mail for the horse players out there, though we'll probably pop up in a race where you're going to know. But hey, sometimes it's useful to have those notes. Anyway, let's talk about race number five today, Sean. A couple of really interesting runners in here, I thought. We are on the dirt going seven, which I think is an interesting wrinkle at this time of year for Saratoga's fifth. 2.52 is the post time. What do you like? Well, I do think, you know, we, we, we talk all the time about how difficult seven furlongs is, especially either as a first-time starter or coming off the layoff. So uh, I would tend to lean more towards more towards a horse that has already run uh, in this race. And so I kind of have landed on the two dr- Brigadier General. Not only uh, does that horse have a, have a starter underneath his belt, he had a 70 buyer, ran second first time out. Johnny V sticks with him. That race was at six, so it's not like you're going from four and a half or five and a half into a seven. You're going from six to, to seven, so you already have some good fitness there. Uh, Dow Stewart, we see win with babies here every single year, and, and the pedigree states that the seven furlong should be right up this horse's alley, being a street sense out of a Giants Causeway mare. So I, I you know, don't know what kind of price you're going to get here, but a morning line three to one makes you think that you're going to be able to get some value there. And, uh, you know, having already had that start on the belt, I, I, that's the horse um, that I could see being the favorite. Also, the three, uh, keep calm and carry on. That's coming out of the wit race for Todd Pletcher and, and Rosario. Um, you know, Todd just got inducted into, into the Hall of Fame yesterday, and, and he's one of the best two-year-old trainers that we have in our game. So I could also see a big move forward in the three horse. Certainly, you have to – Look at some of the first-time starters, uh, the seven stellar tap uh, going off pedigree uh, and trainer-wise. The tap it out of the medallion. Doromare should be able to get the seven furlongs uh, fairly fairly simply for, for that breeding. And then the nine at 10 to 1 on the outside there, the Bill Mott firster, who looks like it's working pretty well uh, for Oxo Equine, the curling out the very talented mare, Ban Ree. So going to probably um, use the, the, the two horses that have already started, uh, the uh, – 
the two and the three horse on top, but I do think uh, the pedigrees and, and, and the connections of the seven and the nine, uh, both should be competitive at the seven furlongs, but may need to get one. That seven furlong is going to catch up to him uh, that last eighth. It's not easy first time out as a two-year-old. I mean, it, it plays a lot farther than seven furlongs under the circumstances. Now, I haven't looked at the entries all over the country, but I think there's some chance that this fifth race could be Steve Asmussen's chance to, to break the Dale Baird mark. If he hasn't broken it already by 2.52 this afternoon, he'll have two live shots in there, including Stellar Tap, who you mentioned. I, like you, put Brigadier General on top. If there was a, if it was a fixed odds world and you could lock in the three to one, I'd be very happy doing just that. I thought that was a re- winning race on debut. Dallas Stewart runners, they typically improve and they're always finishing. Plus, this one appears to have been training forwardly since. I like that price on that horse. And then Seal Beach, I just have to mention as a as the trip handicapper that I am. This horse ended up on a lot of watch lists on debut, having trouble early, having trouble again late going out for absolutely flying connections. I think Seal Beach will go a lot better in this spot, and I don't think you need to worry too much about that first running line. Much better, I believe, than the bare form suggests. Shall we head out to Del Mar, my friend? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. The first of the two races at Del Mar we're going to be speaking about is race number four, correct? Yes, going six furlongs on the dirt there. We got seven horses Again, it's, it's hard to, uh, to decipher between the two Bob Bafferts. One drew the one and one drew the seven. Uh, you've got Flying Drummer on the outside, uh, a gun runner out of a successful appeal mare. This was an $850,000 two-year-old. And then the one horse, Montebello, for the ultra uh, salty connections of SF Racing and Starlight Racing. Uh, a Curlin, who was a $400,000 yearling. Both look like they're working extremely well. Uh, maybe the one as far as uh, time is concerned, it maybe has the advantage there. Um, so those two, you know, you got nine to five on, on the inside. You got four to one on the outside. So is this the, the time to take the uh, higher price uh, Baffert? But, you know, Richard Mandela, he's a Hall of Famer as well. And, and the five Forbidden Kingdom, the American Pharaoh, the very good mayor, Just Louise. It was a, a very good looking yearling, brought 300000 at the uh, Face of Tipton Select sale last year. Um, that's, that's the one horse I think. And, and at three to one could upset the Bafferts. I like the sound of that. Always nice when you can oppose an uncoupled entry. That's going to clearly be heavily bet like that. And, and, and I'm very interested in that idea. Very, very good looking pedigree, uh, with the, the dam has had a couple of different winners with ability, the work tab, there, there seem to be some real hints of ability uh, for Forbidden Kingdom. You wonder, we'll have to, we'll keep our eyes out for that My Racehorse effect with Forbidden Kingdom. We have seen a lot of their runners catching uh, catching surprising amounts of money, which is why, and I, I was also a little bit surprised that Flying Drummer's price was listed on the morning line as high as four to one. It made me think, I, I know these morning line makers these days, they're sharp. They're, they're paying attention to clocker reports and and things like that and, and getting information about how horses are doing in the morning. That feels for me like an overlay on flying drummer. Maybe it was also based on um, theoretically the, the second call rider, Joe Bravo, ending up there. But 
I love the Gunrunners. The Gunrunners have been running so well, and I love being drawn outside as opposed to down at the rail. That's where my eye went to Flying Drummer. We'll see what the market does tonight in this uh, in this race around uh, 6.30, 6.34, technical post time for the fourth race at Del Mar. We also have some two-year-old stakes action tonight. Going to be keeping a close eye on all these races, and we've got the best pal named after the great Calbred, grade two, going six furlongs on the dirt with some of the runners who've uh, certainly made people who follow two-year-old racing uh, perk up their antennae so far this season. Which one do you think is the most likely to step forward and get something done here in the Best Pal? Yeah, so it's so interesting. And, and, and just to recap, yesterday, we the Sorrento, which would be the female version of, uh, of this race, was won by a freshman sire, uh, Elm Drive for Little Red Racing, or Little Red Feather Racing uh, by Mohamed. Pulled off the uh, the nice victory there in the Sorrento Stakes. So here we get the boys' version, the best pal, and and believe it or not, we don't have a Baffert runner in here. So uh, so we're gonna go through. I landed on the seven Olympic legend on the outside, ten to one, Jose Valdivia Jr. Luis Mendez. He's been very capable with uh, two year olds out on the West Coast over the last oh, yeah. year or so. You look at his stats for very limited runners. He's he's batting pretty good. He's thirty three percent just at this meet, twenty five percent on the year. I like this horse for the fact that um, it's, it's run twice. So this is going to be the third lifetime start. The 63 buyer is, is more than competitive in this field of, of runners. And, and it's more of a, a case that I like this horse and the odds versus the three Papa Cap uh, at the at the eight to five. I think the race is much more wide open than that. This the seven has an extra race under its belt and and, you know, is based out on the West Coast versus a horse that, you know, Obviously has been working at Del Mar, but but started its career in Florida and then made its way out there. Um, you know the Gun Runners are, are running, so so you could definitely see another improvement there. But I like Street Boss as, as a sire. He's a, he's a good influence of speed. I like the outside post and the horse has speed. So uh, being on the outside, you know Jose Valdivia is going to be able to have a lot of different options depending on how the horse breaks and how all the other horses break inside them. I just think the race may just set up perfectly for the seven on the outside. 10 to one on the morning line. It's not a very hard case to, to make. And, and figure wise, you're right. There probably isn't eight to five versus 10 to one difference between those two. I'll mention one. You don't, you don't often see a Pleasanton form necessarily coming to the fore at Del Mar, but thirsty always is a little bit interesting to me. This runner is two for two in that stake at Pleasanton improved the speed figure significantly. I also just like that Thirsty Always has shown the ability to pass runners. And then one other, I don't think is going to win, but if I'm messing around in trifectas, Phineas, who you, you don't often see the deep closing. Um, actually, is this the right, um, is this the right PP? Hang on, hang on. What do you have at, uh, what, what does Phineas look like on your PPs? I'll just ask it that way to save us having to edit here. Well, look, he he's he's a winner. He 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 won. He ran third first time out, and then came back and won by three quarters of a length at, at Santa Anita. He's got Rispoli. Walter Solis is certainly a, a, a capable trainer. Thirsty always is also uh, double entered, so he's he's entered on the eighth as well. So we'll see which one shows up. You know, that might tell you Phineas is is the better of the two if if that's the one that runs uh, versus uh, the five Thirsty always. They're they're basically the same connection, same trainers, the Lovingers. Uh, own both. So uh, we'll see which one shows up there. And that may kind of 
tell you, you know, if Thirsty always runs and Phineas doesn't, then then maybe that's the horse that they like in the barn a little bit better. It is it is odd. To, the running line is right. I was actually questioning it to see a, a two-year-old at this time of year coming from as far back as, as Phineas has twice. And on figures, probably needs to do a lot better. But if they just go crazy hammer and tongs, that ability to run on through the lane could come in handy. So I'm, I'm curious to, uh, w- like you said, we'll see if they both – We'll see if they both show up. We'll see what the situation is. But an interesting little race in this spot. I suppose we should give a word anyway to bet on Mookie now getting back onto the onto the dirt after the successful turf run. Do you do you give him any count in this spot? Oh, you have to. And 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 the horse that he beat last time out, McKin McKinman, uh, came back and won the main special weight there uh, last week uh, at Del Mar. So. You know, live live running lines. Anytime that you see these two year olds, uh, you know the races become live, and 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 horses that were competitive come come out of those races and and win the next race. And you you would have to think that his form is certainly um, is certainly one to be looked at. I just you know I, I don't I don't really you know his his best race was on turf, and now they're going back to dirt. I I just that wouldn't be my. Uh, my favorite handicapping angle, I can tell you that much. No, at this at this time of year, especially, I, I understand. And the horse is certainly going to take a lot of money, too. So we, we've got our ideas in there. We'll see if, if we can be half clever. And just to pause on that evergreen angle that you mentioned about two-year-old racing in general for, for some of the horse players listening who might be newer to the game, that idea of, of live races for, for two-year-olds, it's so important. And to be able to go back through and look at what the horses have done who've come out of that race. You can see a good figure, but three horses come back and run and none of them hit the board. Or if you're using a tool like DRF's formulator, you can see what figures they ran. If all those figures decline, sometimes you you can't take that race at face value. And the same thing happens in the other direction, too. Maybe it's an okay figure, but three horses come back. Maybe they don't even win, but they're all improving their figures more than you would think. You're going to expect them from first start to second to improve a few points. But if you see three horses come back improving 10 points, that's a hint that that form might be better than it looks. And then, of course, the obvious old school key race angle when multiple runners come back out to win, which they're supposed to in live uh, maiden special weight races at places like Saratoga and Del Mar. But to, to figure out which races are better than they looked at first glance, which races are worse than they looked at first glance. That's how you can get an advantage at the betting windows. And I'm sure it's something people in the industry are paying attention to as well, Sean. Yeah. I mean, all of us in the industry are, are constantly watching replays and, and, you know, the ones of us that handicap, which is the majority of us, um, you're going back and, you, and you're watching it. And for many reasons, because you're trying to buy horses out of those races uh, you're trying to buy half siblings. You might have mares that are involved. So um, we're always trying to find find that angle and, and find that next big superstar. And, and certainly these two year old races, um, you know, th- there's a lot of two year old races almost every day around the country. And uh, and when you're looking for that next that next great one, um, you pay close attention to these. And and certainly uh, I've been paid off off paying attention to some races that that were real live and and just kind of being aware of that and. Like you said, you might be able to find one of those horses who are kind of hidden in in the running lines there, um, but are coming out of an ultra tough race. And and next thing you know, they f- they find it, the next race is actually a much easier company than they raced the first time, and you're getting uh, a good price on one. So definitely paying attention, definitely uh, watching replays and, and looking at charts 
is one way to uh, to find those live races. One more quick question for you before we get out of here. In terms of the industry and the commercial figures that people use, am I correct that it, it seems to me, I'm even going to say, I'm going to use nothing against the sheets, but I'm going to use the term. It feels like people in the industry are almost disproportionately attracted to the, the sheets, the ragas and sheets, the thoroughgraph sheets, as opposed to the figures that I rely on for betting the buyers and, and the time form figures. Would you say that true or is it more of a combination of everything? Well, I do think you take a combination of everything, but um, I do think the sheets or thoroughgraphs has become a a kind of standard. Um, certainly, there's certain numbers on sheets that when a horse runs that, it correlates to a certain dollar figure that you're willing to offer or, or pay for. So, um, and and you're looking at form cycle. You know, if when you when you have a horse that maybe runs off the screen, is is that a number that they can replicate? Is that a number they can improve, or is that going to be their lifetime best? And and it's a sucker horse. So um, certainly the sheets, you know, those those have become uh, something that a lot of people rely on: jockeys, agents, trainers, horse buyers, uh, gamblers. There's certainly um, thing, but but like you said, buyer speed figures. I, I you know they're in the racing form, and they're still one of the best numbers you can use. Um, I like to use all numbers. Uh, I don't want to rely on just a single um, piece of information, but but use all of them and and analyze them and uh, and, and decipher you know the numbers that that make sense and the numbers that you know really you know either it can fool you or, or, or cost you some money. Sean, great stuff. We got uh, I got to run and get over to the track to record show number two of this morning's triple header. But uh, fantastic waking up, having coffee and chatting babies with you. I'll see you over there today. Yep, I'll see you at the paddock for the first. That's awesome stuff. Yeah, it's a good race to be there for. Come say hi if you're around. We'll be we'll be hanging out at the paddock bar for most of the day. Thank you one more time, Sean Tugel. We'll thank our other friends over at Gainsway. Well, thank everybody out there for listening. Got some nice comments this week about the shows. Keep them coming. Let us know what you want to see uh, and hear and baby talk as we move forward. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May the hammer drop your way.